and we're back on First and Now, the official BC Lions podcast. Going to be a good one. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Baker with bclions.com, and uh, we'll start things off by thanking our sponsor, as always, IA Financial Group. Uh, IA Financial Group has over 125 years of experience helping Canadians. Proudly Canadian, IA Financial Group has over 7,000 employees and more than 4 million clients serving Canadians with the foundation of trust from coast to coast. IA Financial invested in you. Contact your financial advisor for more information. And uh, it is my great pleasure now to bring in a familiar voice, familiar face, uh, Bob the Moj Marjanovic. Uh, and we can confidently say still the voice of your BC Lions now on AM 730. Moj, yeah. talk, about a long, talk about a long-winded intro. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. Um, just hearing that and knowing that we're going to have football games in less than a month, um, pretty stoked. Uh, stoked for a whole bunch of reasons. I mean, football's always been a passion of mine, as you know, and the fact that we got the CFL back, we got games to call, we got games to go to. Um, I just, it, it's the first step, I guess, in having our lives return back to normal in terms of a, a sports perspective, you know, being able to, to go to games, call games, and just, you know, finally, that's all I can say. Yeah, uh, as we roll this out, funny how it works, eh? Uh, exactly one month from now, uh, we will be in Saskatchewan, uh, 33,000 plus probably. Uh, that's that's going to be... That's going to be remarkable just to have that experience again uh, in enemy territory. But uh, let's talk about the news of the day. Um, you and Julio are back, reunited. Um, how excited are you to uh, get this done and uh, be back on a station where uh, you have a history from before? <laughs> yeah, that's ancient history, Matt. Um, no, it's just exciting to get the Lions back on the airwaves um, and have the ability for fans to tune in and listen to it because obviously people love to watch the games on TV, but there are a lot of times people don't have access to a television, whether they're driving, whether it's work, um, you name it, whether they're doing something and the ability to um, have them tune into BC Lions football on AM 730 and the chorus folks there. It's, uh, it's, it's always, you know, it, when I got the Lions job, the play-by-play the -play gig, um, it was one of those kind of like pinch me moments for me. And, you know, just all the, the people that preceded me, you know, you're talking about, I listened to Jim Cox growing up and, you know, Jay Paul McConnell and then, you know, Rick Ball and, you know, Scott Rintoul and, and all the guys that preceded me. It's, it's, it's pretty cool to be part of it. And it's something that I take great pride in, um, take great joy in. And at the same time, you know, try to meet the bar that those guys uh, ha have put out there. And, you know, when they set that bar and try to meet the expectations of, doing a great job with play-by-play. -play. Yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Uh, we've, I think we've talked before about how <laughs> in this market, in this city, we haven't always been blessed with winning teams, but we've been blessed with great broadcasters. And I am with you. Growing up as a kid, it was JP and, and Tommy doing it, going to games, listening to all kinds of other great voices uh, on the pre- and post-game show going to and from BC Place. So, um, And I know when I was working with you um, – at 1040, you relied a bit on my memory. I think I recall it was a road game in Edmonton in 2017 was your debut. Is that correct? Yeah. Good so memory. what do you remember? Yeah. See, take us, uh, take us, <laughs> take us back to that night. And um, being, being extremely nervous. Yeah. Um, 
like, you know, you just, like I said, there had been such a high standard that was set by, um, by the previous play-by-play -play announcers. And, you know, it's not like I entered that game with a whole lot of consequences. It's not like I did like five or 10 years of play-by-play -play and like, you know, it would just be another game at a different level. Um, the only other play-by-play -play experience that I had was just doing one game at UBC, doing a homecoming game. Mm. And, you know, Robbie Gray, our program director at the time, had heard that one game, and he was like, wow, um, you know, this was really good, and we want you to incorporate you into the Lions broadcast. And at first I was like, uh, are you sure about this? Because, again, I mean, I didn't have a ton of experience, but, you know, it's something – it, it's kind of something that you've always done. I mean, I think any of us that are in sports media have always kind of done that play-by-play, -play, whether it's, you know, playing in the backyard or playing bubble hockey or whatever. I mean, you've always kind of had that play-by-play -play part in you. So, I, I'm, you know, I always had it in me as well, like, you know, just goofing around. So, um, I guess that was like a duck to water, and, you know, so far so good. Well said. Um, being reunited with Julio, that has to be uh, a nice little feather. Well, it's in the probably the only, negative that, it's the only negative that you have with this job is hanging out with Caravetta and, you know, <laughs> having to deal with all his diva tendencies. Nah, I'm just <laughs> Julio's probably like Julio, for people that don't know, is one of those guys that if you don't like Julio or Julio doesn't like you, there's got to be some serious problems because he's just, you know, He's just one of those quality people. Um, I'm glad that I can classify him as a friend, or at least the time being. Who knows that might change in three weeks. Um, <laughs> no, but, you know, in all seriousness, he's just a quality person, and it's just a blast doing the broadcast with him. Um, you know, I try to paint a picture, and he kind of fills in the hole sometimes, and he's great at what he does, right? And, you know, I think one thing we both share is a passion for football, a passion for the Canadian Football League, and a passion for the BC Lions, and I think that comes out. Um, in the broadcast. You mentioned the diva aspect. We tried to get him on this episode, but his agent just said he's completely. Yeah. Dead. And so, again, you know, that's one of the things you got to deal with. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Um, so one last thing on the broadcast a note before we um, get talking a bit about camp and this roster, I'm excited. I know you are at, at this roster, but um, as far as additional content, I mean, we'll be doing a bit more of this stuff cross promotion, bclions.com, but are you going to relaunch anything of the sports zone, the show on Mojo? Are you going to bring that back? What can no, you tell our listeners? There's nothing. There's no, no, none of that. Um, we, uh, Farhan, Lalji and myself actually are working in the process right now. Of, um, pretty soon we're going to make an announcement, but I mean, just let the cat out of the bag. We're working on a football show on YouTube that obviously will have CFL content. Um, I'm also working on a podcast that hopefully will launch in September. And of course there'll be some CFL content there. So just a couple of projects that we're working on, on the side, but no, uh, there's been no uh, discussions in terms of having a sports talk show on radio. Pratt and Moj in the afternoon. None of that. No, not happening. <laughs> Had to sneak that in. Now that's great. Uh, we look forward to uh, hearing more about that. And uh, yeah, it's the way of the world. I know, uh, was a sad day in the business uh, with the demise of TSN 1040, but uh, all the good ones have resurfaced on various platforms, and that's great to see. Uh, well, we got you for a few minutes, Bob. Um, looking at this Lions team, didn't go the way we wanted in 2019. I think that's the understatement of the decade. But um, what gives you hope 
that this squad can be a factor in 2021? I think Rick Campbell. Um, you know, you've got a coach who knows how to win at the CFL level who's won a great cup. And I think the biggest thing that the Lions probably need right now is a head coach, a disciplinarian. Um, you know, players love Devon Claybrooks, right? They did. Um, I'm not going to deny that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it also made, I think the relationship that Devon had with players kind of made it tough to discipline him because he was, I don't want to say too tight, but pretty tight with his players. And yeah, they loved them. Yet at the same time, um, it just, it, I just don't think you have that discipline that was needed um, to have a winning football team and a winning environment. And I guess the best way to describe it is you're going from a coach who might've been like your brother to a coach who now is more like a father figure and has that distance from you and is ready to, to take the necessary steps. And I, I think that's probably the biggest positive that I see. Um, I think you're going to see a revitalized and a re-energized Mike Riley. Um, I like what they've done with the offensive line in terms of bringing in Riker Matthews. Joel Figueroa is going to be healthy. I mean, you know, he's got a year. All these guys are going to be healthy. I was laughing at one of the availability sessions that we had. I said, either these guys are going to be like in mint physical condition or they're just going to be like 50 or 60 pounds overweight. You know what I mean? I, like yeah. it just, it, it's just, and you know, to be true, I mean, they're all professionals. They're all you know going to come into camp in great shape. So um, I'm looking forward to it. And I think that the real neat thing about this season is that it, it's almost like, the wild, wild west. We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, football, you know, there's so many variables involved in the game from season to season. Now you're talking basically about two seasons. Um, you know, how are players going to return after a layoff? What's the chemistry going to be like? Um, it's going to be really, really interesting. And as a result, I think I think everybody's just entering this thing just, I don't want to say at even par, but I just think the gap between the, the ceiling and the floor is going to be really narrow. Yeah, there's no clear-cut favorite right now, I, I would I mean, say. How, how can you yeah. make a clear-cut favorite? Yeah. You can't, right? I mean, you haven't played football in two years, so maybe, you know, somebody probably will emerge eventually, but I just think, you know, given all the circumstances, given the transient nature of the CFL, given, you know, just the nature of the game itself, I just think, like I said, to me, anything can happen this year. Both Riley and Brian Burnham have said something to the effect of, you know, as much as we really wished we could have played a season last year, the flip side of that is their bodies are as healthy as they have been since they've been in this, in the professional environment. And, you know, from Riley's perspective, not getting knocked down, Burnham not getting hit. I mean, that has to be an intriguing aspect to it too, is these guys are going to be fresh and they're going to have a lot to give from day one of camp. Yeah. And, you know, the, the one thing, though, is that I think everybody kind of falls into the same boat. But I think it has a bigger impact on a guy like, say, Mike Riley, who is, you know, 30, <laughs> whatever Mike is, um, <laughs> compared to guys, say, say, a kid who's like 24, 25, right? I think the rest is going to do – I think the veterans are going to have more, an adv- more of an advantage with this extended rest period than, say, perhaps some of the younger players. Flip it around and talk defense. I know you love the defensive line. Seeing you up at training camp, the first thing you do is you run down to where the defensive line are doing their drills. That's where the athletes are. You were one of them, of course. Um, But this defensive line, um, not many names outside of, like, say, J.R. Tavai, Chris Kasher. I've been beating this drum. It might not be a bunch of names that will jump off a page yet, but some intriguing pieces have been brought in by 
McAvoy, Ryan Rigmaiden, Coach Campbell, all that. Uh, some newcomers to the CFL, but have some NFL and big game college experience. That's going to be an intriguing battle, I think. Well, I think one of the things that this football team has to do a better job of is bringing in import players or international players, whatever right. term you want to use, um, out of the U.S. college ranks and having those players be able to contribute. If you look at this team the last few years, I think one of the, the issues that they've had is they just haven't been able to find those pieces out of the U.S. college ranks. And obviously we've seen a change in, you know, the general manager and the director of player personnel with, with Tory Hunter and Ed Hervey moving along. And now you've got a new regime in there. And it's their opportunity now to hopefully bring in some pieces. And I think that starts with, you know, the defensive line, right? I mean, I think there's always the potential of finding those defensive linemen that are at the smaller, a little more athletic. And I guess the way I'm going to phrase this is that to play the American game and the Canadian game, they're two different defensive linemen, right? Um, I think the Canadian game requires a defensive lineman that's a little quicker, um, can run sideline to sideline, doesn't have to be as big. Whereas, you know, in the U.S. game, you have those big horses, you know, guys make six, five, 300 that are your, you know, your one technique guys, but 330, whatever the case may be, those guys don't really exist in the CFL at that size and that weight because you, you just got to be able to be more of an athlete in the CFL. And mm -hmm. don't, you know, people are going to start screaming and yelling as soon as I say be more of an athlete, but have the ability to run, right? You got to play special teams with the smaller rosters. Um, you have to run sideline to sideline because of the game, you know, and the length of the field, all of it. So I think, you know, even the, the time clock, I just think, you know, you need somebody who's a little bit smaller, a little bit more athletic. And I think those players exist in the free agent market because those are the players that the American game, the American game kind of overlooks, right? I mean, they're, yeah. they're not looking at defensive linemen in the States that are 6'3", 250 or 6'3", 265. They might, though, in the Canadian League if the guy has some wheels. So I think there's, there's always that opportunity to go out there and find those free agents. I think it's a lot easier to find that type of player at that position for the Canadian game than perhaps to find, you know, uh, a receiver who can run four or five because those players are going to be snatched up by the NFL. Right. Whereas these type of players, I think they're, they're more readily available. Yeah. Just giving a couple names for some of the listeners who might not be familiar. Obum Guacham uh, has experience with the saints and the jets, Lewis Neal, a former Dallas Cowboy who played at LSU. So that's just two examples. These guys, big game experience down south. Now, as uh, Bob has alluded to here, uh, the challenge is becoming a CFL player, learning the game without any preseason games this year. And boy, yeah. that's going to be an intriguing piece to this mix. A uh, few scrimmages going on up in Kamloops. So that'll be fun. Uh, rounding out the defense uh, as well. Um, the secondary is kind of where the experience lies. I mean, TJ Lee. Uh, Gary Peters, friend of yours, a couple decent additions, and Marcus Sales, Anthony Chaffee, just mentioning a couple names here. Linebackers, uh, it might be a little more intriguing as well. That's where you'd likely see a couple Canadians. Uh, first overall pick, Jordan Williams, Adam Konar, a veteran who's back. Um, what are you most excited about from throw the rest of into the, the defense? Bo Lacombo, of course. Yeah, yeah. Lacombo into the mix as well, right, a free agent signing. So, um Again, I think it's how they gel, how they come together, right? But I think a big key to that defense it starts with your defensive line. Um, I don't think you can win in this league without getting pressure. 
and you're going to need to get pressure from those D linemen. You're going to have the greatest secondary on the planet, but if they're hung out to dry on a consistent basis, it's it's going to be extremely difficult. So yeah, you do like what you see in terms of some of the veterans that you have on the back end. But to me, um, you mentioned some of those names. Uh, a couple of those names have to step up and be household names by the end of the year, right? You, if we're talking about Lewis Neal in week 12 and what a great season he's had for the BC Lions. Well, then, then you're looking in a pretty good shape, right? It, but if, you know, it's a constant rotation of defensive linemen trying to find that guy, um, trying to find those guys and not being able to get pressure on the quarterback, um, it's not going to be easy for the defense. Yep. Easy to be optimistic uh, going into camp. We'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, and what's to understand uh, you guys are going to be there for at least a portion of it. Um, what's uh, what's your what's your routine now? Are you in preparation mode? As we mentioned, we're only a month away till we're playing a regular season game, and we haven't started camp yet. Uh, what's the next few weeks look like uh, from you got from your guys's end? Oh, I mean, you start you know honing up and reading up about teams around the league and some of the storylines and try to catch up on what's happening around the league. But you know, I think. Julio and I, we always kind of have the eyeball test, right? I mean, you go to camp and um, you get up there and there's a great story that I'll give you. It was um, Baller and Julio were up there. I think I was up there at that camp too. And Baller was down on one side of the field. Julio and I were on the other. And Rick's got, hey, you got to watch this guy. This guy, like, he's, this guy's bringing it. This, this guy, you got to watch him. We came down to the other side of the field and we saw this guy. And he was just like, just explosive, fast. You could just tell he was, wasn't that big? Wasn't that, you know, it wasn't like he was 6'3 or whatever, 230. He didn't, you know, he didn't pass that eyeball test coming off the bus. But you could just tell he was a player. Um, the guy's name was Adam Big Hill, right? So, yeah. you know, that's just like, that's like one of those little training camp stories, right, that, you know, you remember. But that's, that's why you love seeing the players in action yourselves. You kind of determine, you know, this guy's a player and we've been around football long enough that, you know, a lot of times we can look at a guy and say, hey, he's a player or he's not a player. But. That's one of the cool things about being in camp is just being able to lay eyes, lay eyes on guys. Give you another one. I remember uh, reporting for 1040 covering training camp practice, Columbia Bible College, Abbotsford. And you always want to look for some of those unknown guys to talk to. There was a receiver there. They gave him number 74 because they didn't think he would stick. The kid's name was Emmanuel Arsenal. Same type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Right? So and there you go. That was Manny the and I still training joke camp, about Abbotsford. That was the monsoon yeah. training camp, Abbotsford, wasn't it? Yeah. That was it. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no no indoor practice dome there. So, um, and yeah, again, scanning the schedule, at least for the first two weeks, I think for those of us uh, inside here, there's going to be some restrictions. But have you, have you already planned out Spalumbo's for week two, Dunn's in September, Schwartz's? <laughs> what, you must be getting the food spreadsheet oh, going. Oh, man. I, I've mentioned this, and with all due respect to the people of Regina, I am so looking forward to going on a plane to Regina. Like going to Regina is going to be, and, and, you know, we're flying out commercial because of the, the protocol of the CFL. Hopefully by the end of the year, we're back on the charters, but I'm going to be on a plane for the first time in, I don't know, 15, 16 months. Um, mm-hmm. Having the ability to go to a game. I'm just, like I said, I'm, I can't wait. Um, I can't wait to get on a plane to go to Regina. Yeah, and I'm with you. I, I haven't been on a plane since our last road game in 2019. That was Edmonton in October, right? Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving weekend. So 
Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, listen, um, it's an exciting time. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting up there uh, later this week and uh, enjoying the dorm life, as they say. But bring it on, man. Beats the uncertainty uh, of 2020. So uh, congratulations on your renewed role. We look forward to working with you guys uh, again this season. And yeah, let's make it a winning one. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Thanks for your time, Big. Bob the Moj Marjanovic on First and Now, presented by IA Financial.